Hey, Chicago! Woo! Three titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Melton, finally coming back to you with electricity and power where I've been sitting in the darkness for the last five hours after those nasty storms that rolled through the Chicagoland area today. So hopefully, uh, as you're listening to this, your power's back on as well. I've got my two usual line mates with me tonight, and we've got some playoff hockey to talk about, and we're very excited about it. First up, it's the analytics styling of Second City Hockey, and we're going to throw him under the bus this week because he's going to talk about that other team a lot. It's Shepard Price. Hi, Second City Hockey and Nights on Ice, which is yeah, uh, and Nights on a little, Ice. Bit, of a, a little yeah. bit of a conflict of interest. Well, I mean, it's not like you're being paid by the teams, I guess, so. No, no. But and, how, and you, I was, you I was writing, also going to say. You were writing there gonna, before you came here, right? Yeah, that's how I think I got this job. My work there. Oh, there you go. Well, congratulations. Two years later, I was, <laughs> my joke. My joke this week was going to be uh, just like the ball, uh, the, the the Rangers lottery ball. I have also been dropped. Okay. <laughs> Did I'm you not see that? Let, I'm just going to let. Did, them, no, I I I haven't had power for five hours, Shepard. Okay, that's true. Everything that happened tonight. So we'll <laughs> we'll get to this later, but the, the, the guy dropped the Rangers ball and he didn't oh, drop he, any other ball. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I've been trying to look at Twitter, but my internet's been shitty because I think everyone's been looking on their phones trying to figure out when the power was coming back on. Uh, but also with us tonight, uh, I don't know, he'd be number one in the draft lottery for Second City Hockey. It's Brandon Kane. Hey, hey. That was a, that was a smooth transition there, Dave. Yeah, I can't decide. Is that does that mean you're the worst? So you'd pick first? I don't think I didn't mean it that way. But oh, our, no, it would mean that it, it would mean our, our 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 team is the worst, and that's what we're driving okay. First. Oh well, yeah. shit. Oops. <laughs> Self burn. <laughs> we're off to a roaring start. Either way, you kind of screwed yourself over there. So yeah, you know well, it is what it is. Yeah, it happens. It's, it's a been, Monday. It's right? a Monday. It's been a weird day. I mean, <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, like. There were uh, store. Clo- what is a watch and what is a warning? Like yeah, there were, there was weather. There was like store and closings all over my area. It's 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 been a strange day. So uh, let's let's forget about the real world for about the next thirty to forty five minutes. Let's talk about some hockey. Sound good? Sounds good. I'm up for it. All right, sounds great. And it's it's good because uh, we got playoff hockey to talk about again. First time in three years. This is the actual Stanley Cup playoffs. No more of this qualifying round crap anymore. This is this is the show. This is the this is the real deal. And the Blackhawks are in it for the first time in three years. They're the eighth seed. They're going up against the number one seeded Vegas Golden Knights. As we mentioned before, Shepard Price has written extensively about the Golden Knights for several seasons now. So where we're going to start this whole conversation with, we're going to give Shepard Price the floor and let him talk about what it is that made Vegas so good of a well. I just what made Vegas successful as a hockey team this season? Uh, where to start? Um, oh, where to start? Uh, where, where, where? Uh, what didn't make them successful as a team this year? I, I mean, okay, Mark Andre Fleury's nine hundred five save percentage probably didn't make them successful, um, and that's why they acquired Robin Leonard. Their penalty kill was probably their weakness, which is why they acquired Robin Leonard. Uh, the Blackhawks, uh, short, long story short, traded Robin Leonard to the exact wrong team. Uh, considering the circumstances now. 
Well, um, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty and all that. Well, they traded yeah. him to the Leafs, actually. So, did they? Yeah. And then the Leafs traded him to the Golden Knights. It was a three-way trade. Forgot that. But still, yeah, yeah I didn't he ended, forget he, that. He ended. <laughs> he ended up. He ended up on the exact wrong team for the Blackhawks. Uh, Vegas. Damn it! This the, affects the Leafs. Vegas. <laughs> Vegas had the best five-on-five team in the league. Uh, first in Corsi, first in shot share, first first in uh, expected goal share, second in high danger share. First was Minnesota, which is weird, but that's how it ended up. Um, their power play was a top ten power play, so the penalty kill, penalty kills not getting a break. They were actually better in some statistical categories than the Edmonton Oilers were. The Edmonton Oilers skated by uh, with the highest shooting percentage and a pretty good high danger share, um, which are the only two categories they were higher than the Vegas Golden Knights in. Um, and Vegas's penalty kills num- penalty penalty kill numbers are better than the Blackhawks. They just didn't have a goaltender who can make saves, which they now do. Um, and Vegas is deep. Uh, they got four lines um, who can all play hockey, drive the puck, score. Uh, when Ryan Reeves is scoring goals, you know uh, things yeah. are going pretty well in Vegas. Yeah, um, I believe it is my opinion. Um, and I believe I can prove it with a, a, statistical, uh, a statistical argument that Mark Stone is one of the top five players in the league. Um, and even Max Pacioretty had probably a better season than he did. Their defense is better than Chicago's. That's not saying anything. Chicago had the worst <laughs> defense in the league. Yeah, we've, we've crossed um, the bridge before here. It's just like everywhere you look, Vegas is better than Chicago. And it's it just seems, It it's seems scary. like it's death by a thousand cuts with them. Like they just, yeah. they have a lot of different ways to beat you. Yeah. And yet the Blackhawks got their first ever franchise win over the Golden Knights this season. Um, but that was long before Vegas even entertained the idea of trading for Leonard, I think. Um, yeah. So, so here's, here's what I'm, I'm, as I, I've done a, a little bit, of, I obviously didn't do as much readings as I want to again, you know, power outage and all that, but th- this is the one weakness I'm, or the one potential flaw in Vegas that I'm seeing outside of the penalty kill, which yeah. again, conventional wisdom always says in hockey that having a good, a good penalty kill is better than having a good power play in the postseason. And the fact that Vegas's penalty kill was ranked 27th in the regular season at a 76.6% conversion rate, that would be a massive red flag to me. Like you said, uh, sounds like Robin Leonard could cure some of those ills. And I have, I might've missed this news. Did they name Leonard the the starter the starting goalie for game one? He's he's the presumed starter. Okay, because like Mark Andre Fleury did not have the best season, and it's obviously he took Vegas to the cup recently. But there's also some postseasons that Fleury had with the Penguins many years ago, where he was an absolute disaster, usually against the Flyers. So it's a question of which Mark Andre Fleury were you going to get? Was it going to be? The, the one that took Vegas to the cup in 2018, or is it going to be the one that got bounced from the playoffs three times with the Penguins in the early 2010s, or the one that went to the cup with the Penguins in 2009? So, like, there's a lot of different versions of Mark Fleury out there, or Mark Andre Fleury out there. Excuse me, forgot the middle name. But uh, if Robin Leonard plays, I, I think we all know that story. So, we don't have to go too far into there just yet. But the one flaw that I'm seeing here and maybe Max Pacioretty is the answer to this question. It's just, it's that top end really elite offensive talent. I know you're big on Mark Stone. 
and and a lot of that is because of the all around two hundred foot game he plays, right? Yep. Max Pacioretty might be the guy for this, but who is it on Vegas Knights or Vegas the Vegas Golden Knights that is going to give you the oh shit feeling that Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl or Patrick Kane or Vladimir Tarasenko or Alex Ovechkin that the top end scorers in the NHL will give you? Do they have anybody that will make you feel that way? They don't score individually. They score as a team. Okay. Um, there's, there's no individual game breaker. Their team is just the game breaker. Okay. Because that's, that's the one – my one thought is sometimes you get into postseason, deeper in the postseason, and it's the, the death by a thousand cuts thing doesn't always work. I mean, some teams, if they're really, really good at it, it, it can be effective. But you always knew that the Blackhawks needed a goal. You could rely on Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves or maybe Marion Hosa even at, at times in the past. I mean, the others have McDavid and Drysaddle, although look how that worked for them. I mean, the Capitals have Ovechkin, the Blues have Tarasenko. I don't know if Max Pacioretty is quite on that level of offensive talent. He seems like he'd be the biggest standout for me. So yeah, he's, I guess he's I guess most- that's that's one question I have about Vegas that we'll get answered during the series is if the depth scoring is enough to overcome the lack of a clear cut star. Yeah, the thing is Max Pacioretty did score the most points for them. But again, like there's a guy on each line who could potentially be yeah. the game breaker in any in, in, in any game because again, uh, Pacioretty is on a is on one line. Jonathan Marchessault is one guy who could who could break open a uh, game, but he's not going to do it consistently like like a Kane, like a prime Kane would. I don't again, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say Kane did it against Edmonton. Sure. Um, and and then Alex Tuck has showed up to the round robin pretty substantially, yeah. and he's on a different line. I mean, you, you talk about the depth scoring. If you look at the lines. Uh, or you look at their scoring stats, keep in mind this was only a 70-game season, so some of the numbers are a little lower than they would be if they got to a full 82. But you have six guys over 40 points. You have seven guys with double-digit goals. I mean, there's – again, there's not maybe one really, really sharp weapon, but there's like seven or eight pretty potent ones that are going to – that can exploit you at a time. And this is – it sounds like it's the exact opposite of the Edmonton Oilers where the Oilers had two guys at the top – that were just incredible talents and not much else. This line may not, this team may not have those top end talents, but they just have so much depth, yep. so much depth. Yep. Uh, Brandon Kane, we, uh, we've been t- hogging up all the airtime now. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Vegas Golden Knights as you see them? They're a team that made a head coaching change mid season, which is something that I forgot until I looked up, this past season. Something saw, I forgot until oh, yeah, you said it just happened. now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Pete DeBoer probably has not as much loyalty as Gerard Glant did to some of these guys. So mixing things up is probably something he'll be okay doing with matchup wise. And he's a good coach. So they've got that going for them. Um, I think you guys nailed it you know, for the most part. And I think their low shooting percentage is bound to bounce back in a positive direction for them, especially against the Blackhawks' poorest defense. So yeah, that's not going to be good for the Blackhawks to deal with. Yeah, that, no. that's another set I was looking at was their shooting percentage. They were at 9-1 this season. The league average was 9.5. It seems like that's pretty – like usually around the mid-nines. So they were at 9.1 this season. They were at 8.7 the year before. And then the year they went to the Stanley Cup, they were up at 10. So 
I don't, it, it would seem to, I'm going to, I want to compare them to like some of like the vintage Blackhawks teams. Cause I think that kind of goes back to the point where if you have like really high end elite offensive talent, you may not need quite as many shots and chances because you have guys that can turn below average scoring opportunities into goals just because of how good they are. Then, and the Knights may not have those guys when the Blackhawks do. So that might be one potential advantage. The Hawks, I, as I think you'll you'll come to learn as you listen to more of this conversation, is that it seems not the best matchup for the Hawks. <laughs> and well, and it wouldn't be a lot of match a good matchup for a lot of teams, but a team that is lacking some of the depth of the Blackhawks are this season. It's not great. No, nope. scrolling through Blackhawks uh, shot percentages, even from their heyday, the highest mark they ever had was ten percent. So forget that theory that I had. <laughs> yeah. I know Brandon Shepard, I don't know what, where we left off, but uh, any, any other thoughts that I, I we missed out or any other points you guys wanted to make regarding this matchup? The Golden Knights scored the most shorthanded goals this season, um, oh, and the Blackhawks' power play is going to get screwed. Uh, well, I mean, the Blackhawks' power play was pretty good against Edmonton. Like, it, it had – the first game it scored three goals, and they had a couple more throughout the rest of the series. So – like, if the Blackhawks' power play steals a game, that wouldn't suck. Yeah, but the other the threat is that Riley Smith and William Carlson go on a breakaway the other way, and well, Duncan yeah. Key is not going to catch them. I already have a nightmare of them picking off the, uh, the, the drop pass off the pushing back injury and going the other way for a goal. <laughs> but go, going back to your point, Shepard, about the, uh, the save percentage or – the fact that goaltending was the biggest bugaboo for Vegas on the penalty kill this season uh, in about just over 250 minutes of ice time while shorthanded, Marc-Andre Fleury's save percentage was uh, 845, which puts him down at 57th in the NHL. Which was worse than Corey Crawford, by the way. Yeah, Crawford, uh, in, in, Crawford, Crawford was not great. Crawford was around like 40, I think, last time I looked. Yeah. So – he wasn't the best. Yeah. But Robin Leonard, again, as we talked about extensively in the last series, because of the matchup with uh, Mike Smith being the best PK goalie in the league that worked out really well in the qualifying round, didn't it? But Leonard was at nine, what nine, 18 third in the NHL and pretty much in a three-way tie with Mike Smith and Martin Jones. They're all at nine, one, eight. So it as, as you said, Shepard, it's, it seems like what was potentially the biggest issue for Vegas was corrected when they got Robin Leonard at the trade deadline. So how they look in the three round Robin games. Did you see, did anything look out of place in those? I mean, they won the Western conference. So no. Well, yeah, obviously they won all three games. So that is a good sign for them. It's uh. <laughs> I wanted to come into this and try and, and find some optimistic viewpoints, but it's, I mean, it's a rough matchup, man. It really is. If you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan listening to this, you should be very optimistic. If you're a Blackhawks fan listening to this, uh, sorry. I would say the one positive is that the Blackhawks have more finishing talent Yeah. than the Golden Knights and on the top end of their forwards. But, like, that is, aside from goaltending, that's, like, the one bright spot I see because the rest of it is like, can the defense improve with Slater Cuckoo and Holy Mata building off the last series? 
and Shepard, why are you laughing? It. <laughs> the guys we're turning to for hope are Slater Cuckoo and Olimata. Oh, yeah. Guys. And? Guys. You, you guys. S- we saw, hey, we were watching the same team you were all season. Like, we're, we're not, we're not going to bullshit you. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I've also, I've also been, like, somebody who's always been high on Olimata and Slater Cuckoo, and people are just now coming around, and it's just like, oh, yeah, welcome to the club. Oh, oh, you, now you're going to pat yourself on the back? Yes, I am, because okay. <laughs> their stats have always been good. It's just yeah. like, oh, yeah, now, now we're coming to them for hope. I mean, I, I'm, I'm clicking through the end of the season for Vegas, and I, I was looking at power play numbers to see if their power play – or, excuse me, their penalty kill had gotten any better. So, I'm, I'm getting near the end. I, I, I've come across two games where Vegas gave up two, uh, two goals while shorthanded in each game, but Marc-Andre Fleury was in net each time. So I and so far I found in, in in the three games that Leonard played, he surrendered it looks like one goal while shorthanded. So that's not great. At least Leonard's not good with rebound control. So maybe if they get into those high danger areas, they can toss one in in yes. that regard. So it's, it sounds like the 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 key is going to be multiple shots, chances, and goals against Robin Leonard. Although the Blackhawks haven't been. But you have to get there. Yeah, yeah, they have to get there. They have to drive. You have to get there. You have to have the puck. Yeah, you have to drive the puck against again the best possession team in the league. Yeah, and it's as as far as the defense goes. Like again, it, it's I think it's feel like it's a very similar story. Shea Theodore is quickly moving up the ranks as one of the better, more more well known defensemen in the league. But outside of that, I mean, you have Alec Martinez who. Noted Blackhawks killer. Yeah, Alec noted Martinez. Blackhawks. Noted lucky bounce off Nick Letty's ass, Alec Martinez. I mean, Nate Schmidt and Brady McNabb is a top pairing. Both good players. I mean, I, are either one of those guys even all-stars? Schmidt is. Uh, okay. And, Sch- like, Schmidt's pretty pretty good, but I wouldn't call him their, their first pairing because Theodore plays more minutes and Martinez is, like, Theodore's actual first good partner. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. It's just it, it's hard to find. It's 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 hard to find any like like this is all just one big machine, and it's hard to find the the squeaky wheel, you know, in the uh, in the entire operation. I don't, Shepard. You you talked about it a little bit. Are there any other ways that teams have exploited Vegas throughout the season? I'm Don't. trying to think of the, the third pair. They're they're the, just so good. Their third pairing, I don't yet trust because it's uh, Zach Whitecloud and Nick Holden. And Nick Holden is a fine defenseman, um, but Zach Whitecloud's a rookie, and he's not the rookie I'd be playing right now because they have Nick Hague. But uh, he's played fine in the round robin. Yeah. I, I think the biggest question for the Hawks is, and for Coach Jeremy Colleton, is how do you match up against this team? Like I, Shepard, if you were, if you were the coach, and I told you to match up the Blackhawks lines against Vegas, I mean, I'm guessing you're going to put the David Kampf line against William Carlson's top line. Stone, Pat, Stone, uh, Chandler Stevenson, and Max Pacioretty. I think that's their best line. Well, and as we talked about, like the 
Pacioretty's going to be back for game one. I think that would be an interesting key to watch for the series because I, I would say, as we were discussing earlier, if they have a high-end scoring talent, it is Max Pacioretty, but he also mm-hmm. didn't play in any of the round-robin games. Actually, I think it was kind of a surprise when it was announced he was showing up to play for this series. So maybe he's not quite in game form yet. Maybe, but <laughs> maybe we got a lot of maybe so far. This isn't very encouraging. He's somebody who's been to the like he's one of the most, one of the people who's been to the playoffs the most on their roster. He knows the vibe of him been there with Montreal. That's true. I guess if there's one other optimism or optimistic thing I can set for Blackhawks fans listening to this is the Blackhawks were just in a five, uh, five game series where if they lost, they were going home. So I feel like the intensity in all of those qualifying round series was maybe just a, just a tick higher than it was for the round robin games. Cause all those teams knew that they still had more games to play. Some of those early round robin games, especially, felt a little bit more exhibition esque than like an actual, real, like regular season or postseason game. So maybe the Blackhawks are a touch more in postseason mode than Vegas is. So maybe the Blackhawks can catch Vegas sleeping early and steal game one. And I almost yes. feel like the Blackhawks maybe need to do that to win the series. So. Yes, if they stand any chance of winning the series, they need to win game one, I think. All right, so if, if they lose game one, we can come back and record a podcast and declare the series over. Uh, I think they, I, I do think it's a five-game series, and uh, it's one or three they win. Why, why three? That's, the te- that's technically their first home game, okay. and after, after two games, they get that's their first one with last change, and they might realize, oh, hey, the different matchups work than we thought they would. All right, there you go. There's some more hope for you. I, again, every every time I I pick a new stat or a new thing and try and sort and find like another uh, statistical area where Vegas looks weak on paper, it's kind of hard to find one. It's really really getting difficult to do. They're an incredibly well assembled team. Yeah, it's 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 a very well rounded team. And again, it's I think it's a matter of. It's it's kind of the way Edmonton was going to have to beat the Blackhawks as their top end talent was going to have to win out. So. The Blackhawks might need another five-point game from Kubalik or a four-point game from Kane or a four-point game from Taves. And the other X factor here is Marc-Andre, if Marc-Andre Fleury is the guy, that's one thing because he has a very good proven track record in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Lenners isn't bad. I mean, he well, – He swept the Penguins last year. Say that again? He swept the Penguins last year. He did sweep the Penguins last year, but a lot of teams have swept the Penguins in the playoffs, I feel like. So he had a really good run with the Islanders. They, they went into the second round, but, I mean, Robin Leonard hasn't taken a team to the Stanley Cup yet. Corey Crawford has. No, but he hasn't been a starter that long, and he was playing in Buffalo. And are you yeah. going to blame him for Buffalo? Yeah, well, he was playing in, in Buffalo and Ottawa, not exactly uh, Stanley Cup contending teams of the last decade. Although Ottawa did freak off that one year and get to the Cup and then disassemble the whole team. But the point here is there, there, there is a the Mark Andre Fleur seems like he's on the the downside of his career and his his skills may be leaving him a little bit more so than Corey Crawford has, and so if you put it Crawford and Leonard, if it was like a regular season game with the way both were playing, I you could probably make a good argument that it was even, 
because Le- Leonard and Crawford were both very, very good for the Blackhawks, especially in the second half of the season when Crawford really got rolling. In terms of battle-testedness and playoff experience, I think the Bl- Crawford has the advantage over Leonard. Right? I think Crawford has the advantage over every goaltender in the league. At least those are yeah. that those are the those those that are remaining. No argument here. So so again, that's another thing where if Vegas doesn't have the top end scoring talent, Corey Crawford might be good enough to get the Hawks by even with the mountain of chances and shots and everything against that he's gonna have to deal with because we all know how porous the Blackhawks defense is. So the, so there's your there's your optimism again, similar to what we talked about in the last round. Maybe Corey Crawford can just bail out the Hawks for five, six, seven games. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I also think that's going to have to happen. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are going to have to happen. It's, it's, it's an uphill climb. I mean, there's a reason the Blackhawks were the eight seed in Vegas got the one seed. Uh, we, the Blackhawks problems have been well documented on this podcast, but they did just win a series that a lot of people weren't picking them to win. So um, the mountain this to climb this time around is significantly higher, but it's not impossible. And, and and for all the reasons we talked about, so I won't blame you if you're not optimistic, but you know, weird stuff happens in hockey. I don't know. Again, Shepard and I have been talking a lot. Brandon, any other thoughts or anything else we missed while we were discussing all of this? This is also the first time that the Blackhawks are the eighth seed since 2011 when they played the Canucks, and they forced a game seven out of that out of oh, their ass. The Ben Ben Smith overtime hero series. Never forget. <laughs> um. And even that series, I felt like there was not like a lopsided vibe to it as much as there is this one. So probably you have to go back to that 2009 Western Conference final against Detroit where the Blackhawks were just viewed as like heavy underdogs mm-hmm. in a series. Well, so it's- it'll be interesting to see like how the veteran players can – you know, be like, hey, we've been in this situation before, not the best, but yeah, know, it, it, teaching tool, as, as we've said, is like, this is the positive of tanking is that these younger guys are getting these experiences to see, you know, if they click moving forward with the rest of the vision for this franchise, which whatever that vision may be. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't really talk about this at the end of the last podcast when we were talking about them winning this series, but it, it was noticeable that when the Blackhawks got into an elimination game, all of a sudden Jonathan Taves shows up and sends Edmonton's ass home. Again, we, we, we've mentioned before, it's, it's very much the minority these days on players on the Blackhawks roster that have deep playoff run experience, but some of those guys are still there. You know, Duncan Keith went off in that third period against Edmonton and played incredible defense. Um, Kane still a little quieter, so maybe he goes off in this round. Taves is still there. Corey Crawford's still there. Uh, Brandon Saad's still there. So there's there's still enough veteran experience in that room that maybe some of those performances come out exactly when the Blackhawks need it and it pulls the young guys along. And then on the other side of that coin, maybe Kirby Doc goes off the way he's looked like he's been wanting to do for the last month of the season and the first round of the uh, the qualifying round. Uh, maybe Kubalik has another big game. Maybe Alex Debrinkit snaps out of his slump. Like there's, there's a lot of situations here. There's a lot of individual players for the Blackhawks that could go off and maybe steal a game for them. And they're probably going to need it to happen several times to get out of this series because of how 
well-rounded and, and how much depth Vegas has. But the biggest thing that scares me with the Golden Knights is just how fast they are because the Blackhawks are just not that fast, especially on defense. Ole Mata is going to get roasted this series. Uh, I'm worried about Calvin DeHaan getting roasted at times this series. You know, they have some other guys that can skate, like Keith and Boquist. Connor Murphy moves well for a big guy, but Vegas is probably moving faster. Slater Cuckoo moves okay, but there's there's a lot to be worried about in this series. Any other final thoughts on the the first one? I, I can if you want to throw a prediction out there, go ahead. I think there's I don't think anything any predictions we're gonna have are much better than any predictions people that are listening to this podcast will have. So I'm not gonna make one, but if you want to give me a prediction or just this is what the Blackhawks must do to win the series, have at it, Shepard or Brandon. One of the guys you didn't mention who needs to go off is uh, surprisingly the leading scorer against the Golden Knights this season. Uh, and he was one of the key factors in, again, uh, Chicago's first victory over Vegas. Dylan Strom needs to show up. Yeah. Again. Uh he had four points in, in three games against Vegas this season. Um, he needs to be there uh, and to get the third line scoring again. Brandon, what about you? Yeah, I was going to say Strom and then also getting that depth scoring that they had against Edmonton would be good because when you look at the each team's fourth line, you clearly can see that Vegas can – have guys that can score, and then you look at Chicago's fourth line, and you're like, "Hi, more." I mean, there's some guys there, but you don't look at them where you're like, "Yeah, they could, they could contribute offensively at times." Yeah, I don't know if anybody's expecting Matthew Highmore to score two more goals in the next round. It'd be great if he did, though. Yeah, so I guess that continued presence to go to the front of the net and look for tips on shots from the point, which is how, you know, only Mata had scored in the series against Edmonton. And then I think Slater Cuckoo and Connor Murphy both had primary assists off shots from the point that were deflected. Right. So I feel like that could be a key offensively to work against Vegas being such a possession driven team. We're like, hey, you're in the zone. Just fire it. Yeah. Well, you, you I, got it there. Well, it's probably all part of the same factor. The power play probably needs to be really good for the Hawks this series, which, you know, it, it was against Edmonton. So we'll see. But um, it, I think the main theme for me is the stars have to do it. The, the Blackhawks star players have to carry this team. It's got to be Taze, Kane, Kubalik, Saad, maybe Debrinkit, and then probably most importantly, Corey Crawford. If the Blackhawks stars play to their capabilities, I think the Hawks have a decent chance. Uh, well, I, I think that actually, I, let me rephrase that. The stars have to go above and beyond in this series if the Hawks are going to get to the next round. Because uh, I think if they just play at a decent level, that's not going to be enough. They're going to need some pretty big performances to get them into the next round. Yeah, I would say everyone is thinking that this series will go five. And if they can get it to six, great. I hope it goes as long as possible because I would like to watch as much Blackhawks hockey as possible as I can for the rest of this uh, season or whatever postseason, I guess would be the word for it. But 
I hope it goes seven just because that means I get seven games and I hope they win in seven and go on to the next round. But I wouldn't call my optimism high. And I, I, uh, I imagine that's the way most people feel right now. But another Blackhawks news. Actually, it's not Blackhawks news, thankfully. The draft lottery was tonight. Uh, I completely missed this. Apparently, there was some chicanery going on with the the lottery ball getting dropped or something. Shepard, I know you talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any massive burning thoughts related to the New York Rangers getting the number one overall draft pick, but if you would like to, the floor is yours. I'm okay with the Rangers getting the first pick in this because – a, they're in the opposite conference, and B, it doesn't make the Rangers an immediate championship contender, um, you know, with the Penguins and – who's the other team? I wrote the damn story. The Leafs. and The Leafs. Uh, oh, I wouldn't have made the Leafs Edmonton, championship. Edmonton, the Winnipeg. Oh. Yeah, so – Florida? Yeah, Florida was the other team. So that was the team that – most likely would have been the best bet for everyone for Lafreniere to go to. Yeah. The projected pick top pick and for the Rangers, it gives them a lot of depth at left wing because they already have Chris Kreider and Artemi Panarin. And then you slot in Lafreniere there. So a lot of talent and he'll probably play opposite of Capo Caco. So you have the guy who was picked second last year and then first this year. Not too shabby of a haul for the Rangers. Yeah, that that's a pretty good top six for the Rangers now. I mean, Panarin, Zabinijad, Ryan Strom, Kreider's always been – I feel like Kreider's kind of brand when, when he's When he's healthy, yeah, he's, he's yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, and it's just uh, – also a nice thing that the Rangers weren't going to be a playoff team and they were yeah. a team that got the pick. And I feel like people are rooting for the chaos, but then once they realized that it was a team that wasn't going to make, you know, a, a normal 16 field playoff, they're like, Oh, well, all right, that's fine. Like, yeah, it was like whatever. the 12 seed. It was like the 12 seed jumping up to one. It's like, yeah, fine. Yeah, 12th, I mean 12th. Yeah, Shepard, do you have any burning thoughts on the draft lottery? Do you see there any way the Rangers, because you, you mentioned their their depth at left wing, and Ottawa has always been sort of connected to first overall since getting three and five. Do you see any way that the Rangers trade that and get uh, conceivably those picks would be a defenseman, which helps the Rangers more, and a center? Um, do you see any chance of that, Brandon, of – the Rangers trading that pick? Not really. I could see them moving someone like on the day of the draft to acquire a defenseman, which they need because let me tell you, D'Angelo ain't going to do shit there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- I feel like the trading of draft picks is a very in vogue thing in the NFL. Doesn't right. seem that as much. I mean, Brian Burke is, you know, he's in a studio. He's not a GM anymore, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I mean, but one, one for three and five is not a bad trade. I'm just, 
Especially anytime, when anytime somebody talks about trading in and around the top five, I flash back to the uh, 26 NFL draft. So, nah, not great. 2017? Well, yeah, whatever year it was. that you know, when, when you guys acquired your backup quarterback? That's yeah. Right. Huck off. <laughs> uh, hey, at least he plays compared to the guy who was picked before him. Or after him, I guess, in this situation. Yeah, well, whatever. But I, w- I would like that type of, like, chaos, though, at the it top. Be, it would make the draft a lot more interesting. I mean, you, there's usually a ton of trades. Especially with those markets. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, but it's usually more, like, position players getting moved around and, like, teams that are unloading salary cap space to get ready for free agency in the next week. It seems like it's more of those trades than, like, you know, three, three, three draft picks to move up 20 spots and get the player they really wanted. I think part of that's just because the NHL, the the trajectory for an NHL draft pick to get to the NHL level is so much longer than it is in a lot of other sports. You know, you're not, you know, in NBA and NFL, you're dra- a lot of those top draft picks are immediate starters the next season. That's certainly the exception and not the rule with the NHL draft. I mean, it seems like it's happening a little bit more often now where guys in the top five to ten spots are debuting in the next season. But, I mean, it happened with Kirby Doc for the Blackhawks, but it didn't happen with Boquist. So, I mean, even even uh, Patrick Kane spent a year playing in Canada before he came to the, the Blackhawks. So. I think it also, it, it also might be longer for this class because those European players will have no time Contracts. from when they had been drafted to – their season where normally they have the summer to like do training and stuff with their NHL team, but they don't have that this time. It just goes right into their season. Just out of curiosity. And, and maybe we won't have an answer for this because obviously things are much different pandemic wise in Europe than they are in the States. Is there going to be like, is there going to be a situation where they're drafting players out of Europe that have already started the next season while like they have the NHL draft here? Cause if this, postseason runs till October and they have the draft like I don't know middle of October I feel like some of the European hockey leagues might have already started their 2020-2021 season by then usually everyone's off in the summer yeah the draft is October 9th and 10th and there are some European leagues that are planning to start yeah at the start of October so it might be some guy has like three games under his belt Okay. Tim, Tim Stoitzel. But, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the draft later because uh, we have Blackhawks hockey to watch this week. Um, before we get out of here, I want to really quickly, I'm sure everyone knows this, but the schedule, they play Tuesday night at 9.30. They play Thursday at five, I said five for 4.30 Central Time, which is a very strange time for hockey, but we'll get used to it. Saturday night's a 7 o'clock start in the Central Time Zone, then Sunday at 5.30, and then a lot of TBDs after that. Gentlemen, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Thank God there's only one late night start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tuesday night will be a rough one. <coughs> you know, one's not so bad. Shepard, what about you? I'm looking forward to good hockey. I hope, I hope we get good hockey. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little worried. Uh, I, I have a feeling the series there's going to be a lot of those like 
45 to 60 seconds of sustained pressure in the Blackhawks end where you just want to rip your eyeballs out because there's a million shots going on. And um, yeah, I, I guess the one nice part from a Blackhawks perspective is if those are happening against the Blackhawks, that feeling in the building when like the crowd's just on edge and you can feel like the, the crowd's about to erupt because the goal's about to happen, that won't happen because there's no fans there. So maybe that'll help keep the stress levels down, but probably not. It's like whack-a-mole in their own zone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but I guess the other thing I'll say is just just enjoy the hell out of this because, again, it's it's been a very weird year, uh, and I don't imagine it's going to get normal anytime soon. We haven't had Blackhawks playoff hockey to talk about or watch or write about in three years. So, yeah, enjoy this shit. Even if it's, even if it's painful and frustrating and agonizing and ultimately disappointing, it's, it's better than watching a draft lottery. So – at least that's how I feel about it. Uh, but thank you very much for listening to this episode. Stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. We'll have some preview stuff on Tuesday. We'll do daily game previews, game threads, recaps. Come out and pop into those game threads. You can talk about the game with us. Uh, follow us on Twitter during the games. We'll be, Brandon will be making puns. I'll be posting letter Kenny gifts, and Shepard will be providing hockey analysis. So a little bit of everything, depending on who's running the show on a given night. And then uh, keep an eye on these airwaves because I'm sure we'll have some more podcasts coming up between games with uh, recaps of what happens and previews of more stuff. But I think that'll do it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. For Brandon, for Shepard, I'm Dave. Stay safe out there. Keep wearing your masks. And go Hawks. Not-